Time to Travel with Karen Key. And a very good evening to you and welcome to this week's edition of Time to Travel. Well, on the show this evening, I'll be chatting with Chris Godnier. He's the general manager of the Peninsula All Suite Hotel here in Cape Town. And I'll also be speaking with Michaela Newton and she's the winner of the 2013 Ticket to Life Bursary. In the My Town feature this evening, Carmel Rickard, owner of Trading Places Guesthouse, will be telling us all about the town of Smithfield. Nakazolo Tatani, marketing manager for the Nelson Mandela Museum, will be taking us on a journey to discover the early life of Nelson Mandela. And Elizabeth Spangenberg, manager of the Robertson Wine Valley, will be on the line, and she'll be telling us about the second Robertson Wine Valley in Gauteng Festival coming up in August. And just a reminder that if you need any information about something you hear on Time to Travel this evening, you can find it on Facebook. Just go to Travel on SAFM. But if you'd still like to contact me directly, you can email me on travel at safm.co.za. Well, that's the lineup for this evening. I do hope you'll stay with me and enjoy the show here on SAFM. Well, the SABC is inviting potential suppliers to submit proposals for the supply of two times eight tonne trucks. Tender documents are obtainable from the 2nd of July 2013 between 8 and 4 upon receipt of proof of payment of a non-refundable fee of 1,000 Rand made to SABC Limited at ABSA Bank, account number 284-000-1124. The branch is Auckland Park and the reference number SGE-0820. T slash one three slash zero five. The closing date is the second of August twenty thirteen at twelve o'clock. For inquiries relating to collection of documents, contact the tender office on 011-714-4764, the SABC Radio Park, Henley Road, Auckland Park in Johannesburg. For more information, you can go to our SABC website, www.sabc.co.za. And just a note for you that as part of 67 Minutes for Madiba, SAFM Morning Talk 9 to 12 will be broadcasting live from the Heart Hospital in Pretoria tomorrow, where former President Nelson Mandela is currently being treated. I'm Cathy Schultz from Cora, caring for orphans in rural areas. We would like to take this opportunity to say happy birthday, Madiba. We want to thank you for being an inspiration, a hero to so many, an example and a symbol of hope and dignity all over the world. We thank you for showing the love to our children. We feel so proud and blessed to be living in your time. We love you, Tata. Happy birthday. The SABC Telcom and the Nelson Mandela Centre of Memory invite you to record a birthday message for Madiba. You call 0800-333-803 to leave your message in less than a minute and standard rate supply. SAFM may broadcast some of your messages. Time to travel with Karen Key. Well, in the My Town feature this evening, I'm joined by Carmel Rickard, who emailed me to say that she lives in Smithfield in the middle of nowhere in the Free State. Well, actually, she says they're not really in the middle of nowhere. They're halfway between Gauteng and Grahamstown on the N6 in what she calls the Umpert Karoo, which is the almost Karoo. Carmel, good evening. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for speaking with me this evening. So it's nice living in the middle of supposedly nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I was delighted to discover the other evening when I was speaking to those two Karoo experts um, who produced the book called Karoo's Keepsakes, that actually yes. Smithfield is on the edge of the official Karoo, not just an umper Karoo. Oh, well, there you go. You've learned something now. Yeah, absolutely. You've just recently had this fabulous thing called the Plutterland Preview, which was almost the Grahamstown Preview before the big Grahamstown Festival. How did that go? 
It went extremely well. We were delighted with a number of people who came, and I think it's really put Smithfield on the map for a different reason. So just to give people some more direction, we've said you're sort of in the middle of supposedly nowhere, halfway yes, between... If you, if you go from Joburg to the sea, um, to the sort of East London, Wild Coast kind of area, then you have to go through Smithfield. And um, it's uh, for, for people going down to Grahamstown for the festival, it's six hours from Joburg to us and then another six hours from Smithfield back down to Grahamstown. So it was a, a wonderful place for people to stop and break their journey and for performers to stop and do a last rehearsal, which is how the Plattelown preview idea arose. must have been an amazing event for the people of Smithfield to have all these wonderful productions just pulling in and putting on this show for them. I wish that you could have seen the response of the local people. It was absolutely fabulous. Um, One young farmer in Smithfield... I mean, we've just got this wonderful photograph of him with a whole sheaf of tickets oh, in his hand for all the I shows. Saw that. And he just went from one to the other and was spellbound. And at the end of it said the only thing, what was making him most unhappy was it was another year to wait till the next <laughs> one. It was fantastic. Are you planning on doing this again, obviously? Oh, yes, we really want to do it. And in the meantime, some of the, um, the shows that came to Smithfield for the festival have said that they would like to come down again during, uh, between now and next year because they've got some shows that they want to try out. And it would be wonderful if we, come, we become the sort of tryout capital of South Africa. It would be wonderful. Gosh, how marvellous. We'd have more, lots of people coming up to pay you a visit just yeah. to come and see and all the, the shows. The thing is that um, we already had quite a lot of the infrastructure um, that was going to that, that we needed for the festival. Um, the, the, the things we needed to add were um, to make sure that we had enough theatres. But for the rest of it, we had we had what we needed. So tell us a little bit about Smithfield, other than the Platteland preview. If people want to come up there, you know, not just to come and look at all the wonderful entertainment, hopefully it'll be there next year. What I mean, I was looking through just your website for your guest house and the list of things available. I'm not sure people know about you. You're one of those best-kept secrets up there, Connor. Well, actually, that's a phrase that was used a couple of years ago when we got somebody called Nick Nutt. Rick Nuttall, who at the time was the president of BirdLife South Africa, we asked him to come from Bloemfontein, where he works as the um, the head of the museum there, the National Museum, together with a group of birders to come and help us make sure that our bird list was up to date. And having been here, he said that he thought that Smithfield was an undiscovered gem for birders, but actually for everybody else as well, because... Um, not only do we have fantastic birds, but we also have all the infrastructure, or more than the more than an adequate, uh, really good infrastructure, which birders are, are don't generally expect. We've got really good eateries and really good accommodation, and interesting things for people to do apart from birding. <laughs> well, I was looking through some of these things. I mean, there's hiking, there's geocaching. I haven't heard about geocaching for quite a while. Yes, um, somebody arrived on my veranda a couple of months ago and uh, said that he'd put a cache on the veranda. (laughs) (laughs) We get get strange things like that. And it was really very interesting. Um, Somebody from the next town uh, told us that there was a geocache right at the top of the hill or the mountain, we call it, behind the town. And could I show them the way up because they want to be the first to go and find it. So we, we get strange people who pull in and ask for things like, how how do we get to the top of your mountain? We want to go and look for a geocache. <laughs> Makes for an interesting life anyway. <laughs> yes. We've got um, interesting historical things and interesting sort of outdoor things to do. The historical things are really 
quite unusual because um, by the time Smithfield was founded in 1848, uh, this was already quite an established area in terms of the historical documents because there were already two um, very important mission stations that had been, that had been st- started here, one on either side of where the town was, and one of them featured very strongly in the subsequent Basutu Wars. So we've got that kind of long history um, in addition to the Boer War itself. Uh, the, the, the officers that were stationed here during the Boer War set up and laid out a rather interesting um, golf course, for example. So wow. we've got, we've, you know, that's, they've, left, they've left tracks all over the place. But there's, I mean, I was lo- reading through some of the information, and you, you talk about British military graffiti. There's empty cartridges still lying where they fell during the battle. Now, I'm, I'm assuming, Carmel, that people can't just wander up there by well, themselves. That, 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 those gra- um, that battleground that I was that I that, um, that you're referring to is not actually at Smithfield. It's about um, an hour's drive from here. But in Smithfield itself, there are the Boer War graffiti, and um, I don't like to tell people where it is. But I'm very happy to take them there to go and show them. I, you know, mm. it's the sort of thing that we got the museum people to come out here and take photographs, so that we've got some records. But if the, if you go with a guide or somebody who will make sure that they don't get damaged, yeah, it's that's, one of the, that's one the best of, thing ab- to do. Absolutely, because it's one of those things that you really can't have people traipsing through it and leaving their own graffiti behind. Absolutely, you totally yeah. ruin the whole effect. And we, I mentioned the hiking, which you can. There's also a cave with sand rock art as well up there. Somewhere. Yes, of course. Yes, there is with signs of what happens if you do try to chisel them off, because people have tried to do that and left oh, really. No hideous scars behind but there's also really very good on and off-road cycling canoeing trail running that sort of thing and um something else that i'd like to mention is that we are uh, how people make their living here mostly is through hospitality obviously but also through farming um cattle and sheep we're right in the middle of merino country and one of our one of the people in our town, Rina Hira, does fantastic, really exquisite, um, ultra-fine felting work using merino sheep fleece. It's, it's sort of cobweb fine. I don't think that I've seen anything like it in all my trawling of the Internet from anywhere else in the world. It's really exquisite. And we've got lots of people who do quilting of really fabulous quality. They win lots of prizes at the agricultural shows and so on. It's really great. And we have a lot of resident artists. In fact, some people say, are you the next Clarence? And we say, oh, God forbid, because (laughs) (laughs) we don't want loads and loads of people um, coming through here and turning it into you know, sort of Santon by this, uh, in the middle of the sea, which, I mean in the middle of the, of the free state, which is what people tease um, Clarence about. So tell me about your guest house. It's called Trading Places. Tell me about that. Um, well, uh, Trading Places is a, is a kind of a pun because we've got lots of trading store signs, old vintage um, enamel signs outside that we've collected from all over the place, Three Trees Tea and... Um, life boy soap signs. You know those. You know those old enamel ones. Oh my goodness! Ones? Yes, I do. So, so it looks a bit like a trading store, and um, the joke, the pun says, "Wouldn't you like to try trading places with us tonight?" Or you know, when when you come here, because we tell you how wonderful it is, and then we say, "Come and try trading places with us." 
meaning leave your leave your old life and come and see what it's like <laughs> to live here in the quiet and the, the the wonderful nature and countryside of Smithfield. How big is the town itself, though, Carmel? How many people are pretty much in Smithfield? You know, this is a quite a difficult question to answer because th- there's the small little town itself, which is a few hundred people, and then there are two townships which make the whole area into you know, a couple of thousand. And then there is another ring around that of farm people. Um, and uh, so I think maybe if you take the much larger area of Smithfield, the greater area, it would be maybe about 5,000. But in town, there's just a couple of hundred. So as, as I said in the very beginning, it definitely sounds to me like you're one of those undiscovered places that people should come and explore. <clears throat> well, you, you see, the thing is, during Christmas time, people flock down to the sea from Joburg, and they stay overnight here. That's, that's, we're known for, for that. But what we're saying to people is that with the festival and all these other infrastructural gems that we can offer, and the hiking and the trail running and so on, you could actually make your holiday start here. You don't, you know, you don't have to regard this as simply the overnight stop on the way. It that actually begins here. It could be the destination. Well, your holiday certainly starts here, and we'll that's what we're aiming to do. It sounds like a wonderful, as I said, as you said as well, a little gem in the middle of the actual Karoo that we've now discovered it is. So it's not in the Umper Karoo anymore. It's in the actual <laughs> Karoo, albeit on the border, but it's it's in the Karoo. Mm. So it's definitely somewhere that people should come and explore. Carmel, thank you very much for talking to me about all of this. And uh, hopefully you'll have lots of visitors coming up throughout the year, not just for the festival. Well, hopefully we'll see you at the next festival too. That would be really good. Well, that would be fabulous. It sounds amazing. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time this evening. And uh, do keep in touch and let me know what's happening in Smithfield. Great. Thank you. Have a good Thanks, evening. Thanks, Carmel. Yourself. Good night to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Carmel Rickard is the owner of the Trading Places Guest House in Smithfield in the Free State. And for more information, you can take a look at www.tradingplacestonight.co.za and it's Trading Places and then the number two, Night. And as Carmel did let me know about what was happening in Smithfield, if you live somewhere that's absolutely fabulous and there's some, it doesn't have to be your whole town that's unique, it could just be something in your town or something around where you live that you think is wonderful and people should really get to know about that, please won't you drop me an email to travel at safm.co.za and I'd like to share it with all the listeners and let them know what's so special about where you live. Time to travel with Karen Key. Well, the final of the prestigious International Hotel School Boot Camp took place recently, and the winner of the three-year Ticket to Life Study Bursary in Hospitality Management or Professional Cookery, valued at 180,000 Rand, would you believe, was Michaela Newton. And she'll be on the line with me in a moment, and we'll also be joined by Chris Godinier. He's the General Manager of the Peninsula All Suite Hotel. Chris, good evening. Welcome to the show. Yeah, hi, Corin. Nice to be with you again. Michaela, good evening. Welcome to you. Hello, um, <laughs> how are you? I'm fine. Congratulations to you. What a wonderful thing. Thank you so much. Before I chat with you, Michaela, I just want to know what it is that Chris put all of you poor people through to actually get to the final. Chris, once again, we have spoken before, not just to walk in the park this competition. It certainly isn't. We certainly put them through their paces in order to get there. You know, having watched sort of Celebrity Apprentice and, and MasterChef just this evening, you know, it's, it's all its own little sort of competition on its own and, and boot camp is not carrying poles and such like, but they certainly have some difficult tasks to complete before we conclude with the finalist. So how does this actually work? Just for those who haven't heard about this before, Chris, this is actually a regional competition and then the regional finalists get together. How does it actually well, get it, to the point where Michaela is now the winner? 
offshore current. I mean, we, we run it in three different areas. One sort of upcountry out of Johannesburg, then the east coast out of Durban, and then down the western Cape and Cape Town, where there are three international hotel school campuses. And each one offer a bursary for a three-year program. Um, the applicants or entries are all sort of applied through by the recruitment officers in each campus, and probably, you know, we get about two, 300 applicants, and then in each region there's a semi-final you know, uh, competition where they select 20 of the individuals, and then out of those semi-finals there are five selected in each area. So we're running three consecutively at the same time. I host the Western Cape or the Cape Town Campus International Hotel School one, and uh, we've done it for the last five years and got pretty good at it, and it's really a, a great way for a young person to you know, get the bursary and, and get a start in life. Michaela, what made you apply for this? Uh, well, first of all, a representative from the International Hotel School came to our school, and they did a presentation, and from there I was hooked. So... But for me, it was very expensive, so I looked it up and I found the bursary, and yeah, I applied, and so it went straight from there. Was this something that was in the back of your mind that you were going, wanting to study hospitality before the representative came to the school, or was it just then that it piqued your interest? Well, I've always had sort of a general interest towards the hospitality industry, but I've, no one's really pointed it out to me, so I couldn't make the straight decision. But when the representative, representative did come, I was hooked for sure. I just I knew that was what I was what I wanted to do. So you obviously did well in your regional heats that you took part in up in KwaZulu Natal because that's where you come from. What did they do? What did you? What did they make you do in those regional heats? Did you think you were actually going to survive? Well, we, <laughs> I had to fly down to Cape Town to um, participate because that's where I wanted to study. So oh, right. Okay. I had to do the semi-finals and finals there. But when I was there, I honestly thought of everybody as a lot higher than myself. Um, I doubted myself a lot and put everyone else on a pedestal. So, no, I really didn't think I had a running chance in the beginning. But obviously I did something right. Chris, this is a wonderful opportunity to almost breed, if you like, for want of a better word, the next generation of hospitality managers, hospitality sort of workers, effectively. There's no doubt that it is. I mean, our industry has never been an easy one, and, and I think it's, it's a great way of identifying those people with a great deal of potential. You know, Michaela underestimates herself. She really is an enormously talented individual. And she was really driven and, and, and really probably wanted it more than anybody else. And I think, you know, it's that drive that we're looking for in our industry. Uh, you know, I think, you know, we can go through as to why Michaela did win and sort of so on, but it, it certainly isn't an easy task. You know, each one of them had to, to carry out a, a work placement prior and then do a project as an entry. And then they did have to compete against each other. Uh, they did various different challenges as in laying tables and cooking and, and such like. And uh, before they even got into the hotel, um, you know, it's never easy judging and all the five sort of finalists were, were worthy winners. But uh, I must say on this occasion, Michaela did stand out. Michaela, tell me about those last, was it nine days? Oh, no, those last five days, was it? The last, the finals. Yes, tell me, the tell me about days. those nine-hour days and things being given to you literally at the last minute to do. Tell me about some of what you went through in those last five days. <laughs> well, it was definitely an adventure, I must say. I learned so much. But um, 
doing the nine-hour days wasn't too much of a problem, even though you knew everyone was judging you on every little step that you took. But it was the challenges that took me more by surprise, things like getting woken up at 3.30 a.m. for a fire drill. <laughs> we had to run outside. It was really cold, and all you wanted to do was sleep. But, yeah, and then... Yeah, the, uh, and definitely I learned a lot about housekeeping. I have a new respect for housekeeping. <laughs> <laughs> it is a tough job. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the nine-hour days, you really were really tired at the end of the day. And it just made me realize how much hard work it is, but it also elevated my ambition even more. So I'm really, really excited. Are you going to be taking up the hospitality management or the professional cookery? The hospitality management, I'm assuming. Yes, the hospitality management. And where do you see yourself going? I mean, the sky's the limit once you get into the hospitality industry. Are you, I mean, if you want it badly enough, you could pretty much go anywhere in the world with this qualification. That's the best part about it is that all I've ever wanted to do is mix my work with travel. So the fact that I have this opportunity now is absolutely amazing because um, – I don't know where anything's going to take me, but I know I want to be able to manage something or own something and to be able to make a difference in the hospitality industry. So that's really what my main aim is. So, Chris, tell us why Michaela won. Well, I think, you know, just listening to her speak is is now, I think it it was the drive. I think she really wanted to get out of the small town and the town where she was and and that she needed this vehicle to, to get there. I think, as she said, she, she wants to travel and, and obviously studying through the International Hotel School and doing an American sort of qualification, you know, gives you that ability to sort of work all the way around the world. Um, you know, I think she quite understood that she, she wanted to break out and come down to Cape Town. It was a great place to be. And this was the only way she was going to do it. And, you know, I must say she, she just, I went, I mean, everybody was good, but, I think just hearing her speak and the confidence, she's head girl at her school, she definitely has the leadership qualities. She got everybody working with her and and then questioning the other finalists, you know, they definitely all would probably have agreed at the end of the day without choice. You know, they'd all have liked to have won, but she stood out, she was a team player, Um, even on some of the challenges, which she hasn't really mentioned because we got them up at nine o'clock at night to go and redo a room ready for an early arrival which <laughs> took the leadership role on that basis and and I think those kind of things are what stood out but I think it, it's the wish and the will and the want to, to, to get the job which really you know led her to the front. Michaela part of this whole competition and I'm assuming this will be part of your training and your future in the hospitality industry it's very important to work both as an individual and as well as being able to work really well as part of a team? Yes, Um, most definitely. I mean, I especially learned over this week, the people that I were with were absolutely amazing because at the same time that you're working for yourself, they still gave you the opportunity to work as a team. And for me, that's the most important thing because you can accomplish so much more if you're in a team than if you're just trying to put everything on your shoulders. I've definitely learned that. You know, just looking at, at what you're going to be getting with a prize is just phenomenal. 180,000 rand is a three-year burst, study bursary at the hotel, International Hotel School. You know, it's one of those things that you must have, when you won, must have been pinching yourself thinking, am I actually dreaming this or did I really just win this? 
Yes. Um, I think the only reaction that my body could possibly take was to cry. <laughs> I honestly didn't know what to do with myself. I was like, is this actually true? And I went up there. My knees were shaking. My stomach was turning. I was. I, it was overwhelming. And then, yeah, the tears just came streaming down my face. It was one of the most amazing moments of my life. So you're writing with tricks. So you've got, what, about a month or two, a month and a half or so before exams start? Yes, before Charles. Oh, shame. And then when do you actually come down to Cape Town? When does the whole thing start for you now? Well, I'm trying to convince my mom to get me to go a little bit earlier, but I'll obviously I'll fly down maybe a couple of days before the actual course starts, which will be um, nearing the end of January. Okay, so it's not too much longer after you've written your, well, it's about two months or so after you've written your finals when you'll be coming down. Yes, but mm. it's very difficult going back to school when you know you have this huge, <laughs> amazing opportunity in front of you. It must be very difficult. But uh, Chris tells me, well, we mentioned earlier that you're the head girl of your school as well. So you obviously, as as he said, you have all the talent and, and you know, you obviously are one person that, that enjoys being in a leadership role and seem to be really good at that. Yes, I really do enjoy it. I mean, I go to Walt Big Kirchhoff School. It's a tiny little school. So... Um, the fact that I could run it or not run it, take care of it and be a leader of that school. It's also, it's an amazing opportunity. It's like the second best moment of my life. <laughs> You're having a great life, Michaela. It's, um, it's the beginning of something amazing. Uh, it just like puts me in good stance the rest of my life. I'm so excited to get out there. Gosh, Chris, the passion is just unbelievable. I mean, you, I would have given it to her anyway myself <laughs> if I was judging this. But just talk to me a little bit about the judges because some really highly esteemed people from the hospitality industry were on the judging panel. Sure. Look, I, I think... Well, including yourself, of course. Oh, well, of course, I'm the minor one there. No, um, no, I wouldn't say that, but anyway. Yeah, I think, you know, this year we, we obviously had the principal from the hotel school campus down in Cape Town who sort of chaired this sort of panel, and then we had two other general managers from Cape Town, one being Des O'Connor, who manages Mandela Road's place, the other, Eben Larson, we manage Bantry Bay Luxury Suites, and myself. And, and obviously being sort of long-term hoteliers, having come from, you know, a lot of experience, we felt quite capable, you know, of judging their desire, I think, you know, and, and we really wanted to make sure that, that we chose somebody that had the potential to really succeed. You know, it, it's not a social responsibility project. We were looking for the absolute best candidate. And um, I think we made the right decision from the past, you know, just talking about some of the previous winners. It was really nice to see Kurt Richter, who, who graduated last year, and he did the closing speech at graduation. And, and I know he's off to greater things. And, and the winner last year, Nicholas, she's, she's really doing incredibly well. And, and Samia is in her sort of third year now. And... and they're all really starts. So, you know, the whole boot camp process is, is, is working very well to identify the future leaders of our organizations and hospitality. So I'm sure Michaela is going to be right up there. By the sounds of it, I wouldn't be surprised. Now, Chris, by all accounts, was rather a difficult situation this year because the final scores were very close. And you was it the first time that you've awarded two additional bursaries? It is, and, and, you know, it's always been a quandrum, you know, that, that we've said at the beginning there's always only one winner for each region, but, you know, the hotel school have, have sort of dug deep and, and sort of have offered two additional sort of bursaries. Uh, one, the second winner, was, was winning 
and discount on the full-time program or, or full sponsorship on a three-year traineeship. And the third prize was either um, 25% discount on the full-time bursary or a, a fully paid sponsored two-year in-service traineeship. Now, I did the in-service traineeship myself, so I can assure you it's still not a, a, a bad way to get an education, and, and you certainly have to work and study at the same time, so it's fairly hard. Um, you know, but the, the full-time program is the all-singing and dancing course that everybody wants to do. But, I mean, even for the people who got these two additional bursaries, I mean, it's, it's a way in that they possibly would never have been able to have before. Oh, 100%. I mean, I think for those people that, that possibly don't have the financial resources to study further, um, it, it certainly has opened the door for both of them. Um, you know, and, and I think the hotel school is really leading the way in, in, in making this happen for young people. Because, it's, as you said, the one was a three-year in-service traineeship, the other one is a two-year in-service traineeship. So they're getting basically the hands-on experience, plus they're having to study as well. And if, if they have as, half as much passion as Michaela has, they would grab this with, with both hands, I'm sure. Look, all, all five were winners, and all five you know, will, will succeed. And, and there are other vehicles that we've, we've there to help the, the, the fourth and fifth people, you know, so we, we are working on that as well. We don't want any of them not to study through the International Hotel School, so we will assist with other vehicles. To you know, The Brand House have come up with some bursary sponsorships that we're looking to put forward for the other two. Um, I might just add that the, the three-year traineeship is still a program that costs up to nearly 120000 for the three years. So, you know, they're, they're all big prizes. So when we talk about 180000 120 and another for the 70000 for the two-year, you know, it's a lot of money they're giving away in three campuses. So, gosh, Michaela, you really came out top in a year when, as, as Chris was saying, the scores were very close at the end. And they're so close, in fact, that the second and third person both got partial scholarships or in, in some cases 100% sponsorships for in-service traineeship and you won out of all of that. So, I mean, you must, that must make you very proud that you were that good. Yes, especially the fact that when I looked at my, the, my fellow, fellow finalists, I was absolutely amazed at the, the quality of their personalities as well. So the fact that I got chosen on top of that just put my confidence on another level. It made me believe in myself that much more. So I'm extremely, extremely excited. How proud are your folks? <laughs> my mom cried. <laughs> <laughs> they are all so, so proud. I mean, everyone has just been so supportive. So it's, it's, it's amazing to have all that support behind me as well. It's, it is incredible. I just wanted to ask you, when you were doing all these tasks, were the judges sort of following you around with a clipboard looking at you and sort of going if you did something wrong, or how did it work? I mean, were they looking at you all the time, following you around? What happened? No, they didn't actually, because we'd spend every day in a different department. So we had kitchen and housekeeping, food and beverage, and front office. And at each department, there was a different head of department. Oh, right. Okay. So every single day, you'd be at a different department. And the worst part was that... If there was someone behind you marking you, you would know that that's the time you need to perform. But the problem was that they hid behind the scenes and they would obviously <laughs> like do it very sneakily. So you knew all the time you had to be absolute perfection in order for you to do well. So I would have preferred if they stood behind the clipboard <laughs> so I knew what to do. <laughs> so you never quite knew if they were watching you at that precise moment or not. 
Yes. Oh, gosh, but what an experience. I mean, it must have been quite amazing to have undergone all of this and come out a winner at the end. It was one of the biggest adventures of my life. I mean, I felt like I was on some sort of reality show where, you know, I had to do certain things and then there would be these challenges and you'd have this huge interview at the end and that kind of tied all the loose ends together and... Yes, it was. I don't. I have no need to go on any of these reality shows because I've had my own. <laughs> You've done it all. I've done it all. <laughs> Chris, this is the fifth year that um, you have hosted this at the Peninsula All Suite Hotel, and is that has it only been running for five years, or has it been running longer? No, it has. They they've run seven. We we actually seven. Had won seven years ago, and then we we did one at Mandela Road Place in between. Okay. Um, you know, I, th- I think the thing is that, that you have to accommodate the, the finalists in the hotel, and we have an apartment-style accommodation. And also, I think we want to give each and every one the best, you know, opportunity to perform. So, a bit like the, the, the applicants themselves, you know, having had the experience already of doing it, just makes it better and better. And you know, each year we're, we're coming up with 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 better better people and. You know, I just think it's it's a really great way of, of helping the industry bring new professionals into it. It must be very heartwarming and inspiring for you to see there's such talent coming up through the ranks. That's what gets me out of bed these days. It's really seeing the young people come through and, and you know, we talk about the different generations and, and such like. Well, well, I'm a great believer in the younger generation and, you know, they might not, you know, sort of believe in, in the preached at and not have what we consider the same work ethics but you know quite honestly you know they have such inspiration for me just seeing them get up and be excited with life and the passion and and you know, it certainly keeps me going as you said in the beginning it's not the easiest of occupations to go into it's difficult um you're working with people a lot of the time and as as a bunch people are really not that great sometimes we can be very difficult so you have to be a certain kind of person is that a lot of what you look for in these finalists the personality and how they will re- relate to other people yes that is definitely one of the things we look but, I mean, the hospitality industry is so broad. I mean, you can go into the council sales or, you know, it's not just about sort of being in the front line mm. of guest relations. So you, you've got a whole spectrum of different things. There's no doubt, though, that you need a calling to, you know, actually enjoy seeing gratification from others, you know, and I think that that's the secret to all hotelier success is really, you know, getting that, that, that joy out of seeing other people happy. I was watching one of those MasterChef programs a few weeks ago and there was this chap who was one of the finalists and he said he'd thought about becoming a chef when he left school but the hours and, and the whole concept of all the hours that you have to work frightened him. But he's older now and he's thought about it and it really is what he wants to do. Michaela, don't, do the hours and the hard work frighten you at all or do you think you're going to cope? I think it'll be absolutely fine because for me it's, it's my passion so... If you wake up every morning and you're passionate about what you do, it's not actually a job. So for me, it might be a little bit tough. I might be really tired at the end of the day. But if it's what I want to do, then I'm just going to have to, you know, take the hard, long hours and just go with it. As they say, if you enjoy what you do, you, it isn't a job. So by the sounds of it, you'll be going into a profession which isn't really a job for you. It's going to be just a whole lot of fun. Exactly, waking up every day with a huge smile on my face. Sounds wonderful. Chris, I think you've got a star in the making here. No doubt about that. Well, Michaela, once again, congratulations and good luck for the finals for your matric and uh, good luck.
Good luck coming down to Cape Town. You're going to love it living down here. And uh, good luck at hotel school. Thank you so much for joining us on the show this evening. Thank you so much. I can't wait. Chris, thank you so much again for your time. And uh, well done on the, as looks like, another bumper crop of young people entering the hospitality industry. Well, it's our pleasure, and, and thank you for having us on your, your show, and uh, it's really great chatting to you. I feel like we've become quite good friends. Well, we have. Every, absolutely. <laughs> I can't wait for next time. Thanks so much indeed for your time. Thanks, Chris. It's a pleasure. Good night to you both. Okay, good night. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, Michaela. Michaela Newton is the winner of this year's Ticket to Life study bursary, and Chris Godnier is the general manager of the Peninsula All Suite Hotel. For more information on the Peninsula, you can take a look at www.threecities.co.za, and for more information on the competition or on hospitality as a career, you can take a look at www.hotelschool.co.za. And then just a reminder, as part of 67 Minutes for Madiba, SAFM Morning Talk 9 to 12 will be broadcasting live from the Heart Hospital in Pretoria tomorrow, where former President Nelson Mandela is currently being treated. Dear Nelson Mandela, I wish your wisdom and capacity for forgiveness, having an open mind, to be your active legacy to your country. The SABC Telcom and Nelson Mandela's Centre of Memory invite you to record a birthday message for Madiba. Call 0800-333-803 to leave your message in less than a minute. And standard rates apply. And SAFM may broadcast some of your messages. Time to travel with Karen Key. Well, tomorrow is Madiba's birthday, so I thought to celebrate that, we should take a look back at where he came from. We all know so much about him, but we're not quite sure of exactly what we can go and do to find out more about his early life. And joining me on the show this evening is Nokozolo Titani, and she's the Nelson Mandela Museum Marketing Manager. Nokozolo, good evening. Welcome to the show. Good evening. So, Nokozolo, tell me a little bit about the Nelson Mandela Museum, where you are and what it is people can do when they come up there. What can they see when they come up there? The Nelson Mandela Museum is spread along three sites. The first site is in Umvezo, where Nelson Mandela was born. And then the second site is in Kono, you know, where he grew up, where his home was. That is after the family left Umvezo. And the third site is the Bunga building in town. It's the building that used to house the Transkei Parliament. Unfortunately for that one, that is for that site, it's still under construction, and the construction of that site is finishing up in November. So the handing over will be on the 15th of November this year. At the actual museum, it's there, there is also a lot of things there. I mean, you've got conference facilities there. You offer tours and programs, and there's accommodation as well. Tell me a little bit about what is exactly at the museum itself. Oh, okay, yes. What is happening at the Kuna site? The Kunu site basically is the programming site. It's meant to attract young people from all over the world, you know, to come and stay in Kunu for some time, learning about the way Nelson Mandela grew up, of course, through structured programs. And what we're doing, we run youth camps. In fact, we run a series of programs, and one of those programs is youth camps. And the youth, the youth camps, uh, we run them twice, or three times, you know, every year, where we take young people, you know, from all over South Africa. They come and, and gather here in Kuno, doing, you know, a lot of activities. And we also, you know, have an international program or international youth camp where we take 
young people, you know, as well from all, all the provinces of South Africa, and we take them to Germany, you know, where we have a partnership with the Anne Frank uh, Foundation. It's, in fact, it's known as the Anne Frank House, and uh, which is also running programs that are based on human rights and democracy. In fact, even our programs are based on human rights leadership, you know, you know, and democracy. And also, we also run, you know, arts in residence uh, programs. And uh, we also have temporal exhibitions. And the two exhibitions that are currently on show is the exhibition with a theme Nelson Mandela and Chief Albert Lutuli in conversation. It's highlighting, you know, their similarities, that is the leadership style, you know, in particular, as well as their values. And then the other exhibition that is also on show is Walter Susulu, and in fact, it's the Sulu family. It's Walter and Albertina Susulu, and the theme is Parenting a Nation. And it's basically more about the contributions, you know, that, have, that they've made, you know, to the struggle in the liberation, you know, of South Africa, as well as the struggle, you know, in general and development in general. And what we can also, you know, add, the museum in Kono is not only confined, you know, in buildings, because there are other sites of interest, other sites, you know, of significance, that are directly associated to Nelson Mandela, such as the sliding stone, which is also in the museum premises. You know, when Nelson Mandela used to play with other kids, you know, running down the stone and fighting over tents, you know, that kind of thing. Well, it was a popular game, though it is still a popular game even today. And also, not far from the museum, in fact, it's only a few meters away from the museum, are the ruins of the school that is where Nelson Mandela was named Nelson by his teacher, Miss Mdengane, when he came to school for the first time to do, you know, his grade one. It was called Sub A those days. And several other sites, the family gravesite where his mother, that is Nelson Mandela's mother and father, are buried, as well as an old building which was built way back in 1884, you know, it's a church building where Nelson Mandela was christened. So there's a lot of other sites that we normally take and encourage our visitors, you know, to follow. In fact, we, we call this following in the footprints of Nelson Mandela or the Nelson Mandela Heritage Trail. It is very, very educative. And it gives, you know, our visitors profound information and experience. Uh, about the humble beginnings of Nelson Mandela. It sounds absolutely amazing. So there's a lot to come up and see and do up there in Okazola. But the other thing I wanted to ask you about was the Itemba Arts Project that runs there as well. Oh, yes. There's also a, a craft project, Itemba Arts Project. In fact, it has been running for, for more than six years now. And it was initiated, you know, and, and funded, that is by the museum, in partnership with the government of Lower Saxony. It attracts, you know, the youth that is from Gunu and the surrounding areas and is still 100% operational. The accommodation that's available at the museum, Nokutsolo, is that just for people that are coming up to, as you said, you have artists in residence and you have the youth programs, but if tourists want to come up and experience life up there, can they stay there as well? Oh, yes, 
yes, yes, they can, because we have two types of accommodation. We have dormitory style accommodation where four people, you know, sleep, you know, in in one unit, and we also have the executive style accommodation. In fact, we call them, you know, double rooms. All in all, it's a it's a sixty bed accommodation, and we also have, you know, con- con- conferencing, you know, facilities as well. And what about tours? You talked about following in the footsteps of Madiba. Now, are there tour guides available from the museum that can take people to all these different sites? Yes, there are tour guides who are available from the museum. There are tour guides between eight and half past four. They they do avail themselves even after hours. You know, if a booking you know has been made in advance. When is it actually open, Nakazolo? Is it open Monday to Sunday at the museum? Yes, it's open Monday to Sunday, even during public holidays, it's open. And times, what time is it open and close? It's 8 to 5 o'clock, that is for a guided tour. But for unguided tours, of course, from 7, you know, up to 6 o'clock, that is for unguided tours. But for a full experience in the company, you know, of a tour guide, then it's actually from 8 to half past 4. Now, the thing about uh, sites like this, I always worry that more overseas tourists come to something like this than the local South Africans. Are you seeing a good number of South African tourists coming to the museum? Oh, of course, quite a lot, quite a lot, yes. And international tourists, do you get a lot of those as well? Oh, yes, we get a lot of international tourists as well. Most tour operators from all over the world, you know, they have packaged the museum. We, as a museum, you, you know, one of the marketing platforms, you know, that we use, we participate, you know, in the trade shows, that is the expos. We always, you know, attend the Indaba Expo, which is held in May every year in Devon. And then that's where, you know, we meet a lot of buyers, that is a overseas buyers. And as a result, you know, it's a product that they like best. It's a very popular product, popular attraction, the Nelson Mandela Museum, in as much that actually most tour operators, so they've packaged the museum. And even the fact that the location, you know, is a very favorable location because it's close to N2, that is, that is for tour groups that travel from Devon, you know, and route to Cape Town. And then, you know, it's within close proximity, you know, of the National Road, which is N2. It must be quite an honor for you, Nakazola, to market something like this. Oh, I would like to lie. You know, it's quite an honor and, you know, I'm so passionate about it. And I love Matiba, you know, I appreciate his values. So uh, it's something that I like best. I'm, I'm actually doing something that I'm really passionate about. Have you got plans for anything new coming up in the future, Nakazola? Well, the Bunga building, of course, it's being, you know, finished. The handing over that is by the contractor that is to the museum is the 15th of November. You know, we are looking forward, you know, to that. And we'll remember that the Bunga building is the site of the museum, you know, that houses or that used to house and is still going to house Nelson Mandela's gifts that he received, you know, from all over the world. It's one of the most popular sites of the Nelson Mandela Museum. And we're looking forward, you know, to reopening of that site. In fact, even the people and the world out there is looking forward to the reopening, you know, of that site. What I would also, you know, like to encourage, you know, people or visitors, you know, to go to Izm Kwekezweni. 
Mkagezweni, where Nelson Mandela grew up, that is where Nelson Mandela was taken, you know, by his mother after his father had passed on to be raised by then acting king or called the regent. Uh, everything that Nelson Mandela speaks about in his book, the autobiography, Long of the Freedom, it's still there. The heart that Nelson Mandela shared, you know, with his cousin is still there. You know, the trees that Nelson Mandela speaks about in his Long of Freedom is still there. Everything is still there intact. The old stone buildings that Nelson Mandela speaks about are still there. And even, you know, the widow, Mamuno Zolile Mtikaka, and is still there. She's 92 years old, and but she's fresh like anything. And she's so humble. I mean, I would like to encourage you know, our visitors to go as far as Mkagezweni. It's not far. It's only 25 kilometers away. That is from Kuno. One can come to the Nelson Mandela Museum, to Mveso, and to town as well, but without touching that space, Mkwekezweni, one has not got the full experience. So I encourage people to go to Mkwekezweni as well. As you say, it's the whole package. If you don't see it all, <laughs> you've only seen half of it. <laughs> Just before we go, Nokazola, I'd just like to wish Madiba a very happy birthday for tomorrow and hope that his health will improve. I would like to say happy birthday, Madiba. Ah, Talpunga. Ah, Talpunga. Happy birthday, Madiba. Happy birthday, Ngolom Silasopitra. Thank you very much indeed for your time. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you very much. Welcome. Good night to you. I was chatting there with Nakazola Tatani. She's the Nelson Mandela Museum Marketing Manager. And if you'd like to go up and have a look and find out, there seems awful lot of stuff to do up there. So I would suggest you actually have a look at the website. It's www.nelsonmandelamuseum.org.za or you can call them on 47 Time to travel with Karen Key. Elizabeth Spangenberg's back with us this evening. She's the manager of the Robertson Wine Valley and uh, lots of exciting things coming up in Robertson. And this week we're going to be chatting about the Robertson Wine Valley Festival returning to Gauteng. Elizabeth, good evening. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me again, Karen. So you're taking the winelands back to Gauteng this year. A big success the last time we did it. Yes, it was. And we just felt it's high time again. The Gautengers are just... A so good when it comes to supporting our festivals down here in Cape Town that we just decided they, they deserve a visit from us again. So we're bringing it up to Gauteng again um, and in true Robertson style, a nice outdoor wine festival out of the city. So no, we really invite everyone to come and join us. So this is happening on the 3rd and 4th of August? Yes, it's happening on the 3rd and 4th, so it's only on the, fr- oh, the Saturday and the Sunday. And as always, the whole family is, is um, welcome, so yeah, we can't wait. And where is it going to be this year, Elisma? It's going to be at a place called Kibitskrun, um Country Estate. It's just about 10 minutes from Pretoria, so a bit out of the city, as I said. And they also call themselves the Winelands of Gauteng. And if people visit their website, um, they will just see why. It is the most beautiful estate with Cape Dutch buildings and lush gardens everywhere. So, no, we really can't wait to just set up the whole festival there and just bring loads and loads of wines for everyone to taste. Now, normally, if people know the area, know the, the destination and the venue, they 
know the Kivitz Kruin normally has a no children under 14 policy, but they're going to be relaxing it for that particular weekend only. Yes, we, we did. Uh, luckily, we didn't need to have or we didn't have to twist their arms too hard just to tell them, listen, Robertson Wine Valley is about um, weekend getaways with a whole entire family. So, yes, they are relaxing that for the weekend. And um, also, as per Robertson Wine Valley tradition, kids under, in, under 18 will enter for free. And tickets now, how do they get hold of tickets? Where are they available? Oh, that's uh, nice and easy. It's on web tickets.co.za. They can just go and search for Robertson Wine Valley Festival, and then that, that will pop up. People do need to realize that um, from uh, until the 28th of July, the end of this month, basically there will be an early bird special. So they really need to go and book um, ahead of time to make use of that special. But tickets will also be available at the gate on the day um, as well. So for people who aren't used to coming to the festivals in Robertson and knowing exactly what it is you do, just explain a little bit how the festival is going to work. Okay, basically, so you will have your um, your festival ticket that will gain you entrance to the festival venue. And that also includes your goodie bag with a tasting glass and a bottle of water because we do like to promote tasting responsibly. At the venue, you will basically have 21 wineries hosting this festival. So it's wine tastings will be included in your festival ticket. And then obviously to complement this wines in true wine and hospitality style, there will be fantastic foods on offer. There will be some live music. Um, so you can literally go out. And, and almost just have a nice picnic, um, enjoy the day out in the sunshine. Um, there is just going to be like it's just going to be a marvelous time. Wines will also be on sale at the site at very special prices, so it's really going to be worth their while to come and visit. And what's happening for the children? For the children, there will be a limited on um, the kids' activities as a, on a pay-as-you-go basis. So there will be a jumping castle and there will be kiddies' parties and all that. But people, yeah, please don't, don't leave them at home. The only family member that you unfortunately need to leave at home or get a babysitter for is the four-legged friends. Unfortunately, no dogs except guide dogs will be allowed. Right, so it sounds like a wonderful time, the 3rd and the 4th of August. Are the, tic- are the tickets limited, Elisma, or can, are you just going to take as many people as arrive? They're just going to um, take as many people as, um, as will arrive. We really want to say, come one, come all. And we even we do know that Pretoria is a bit far out for the Joburgers, but we have a solution for that as well. Um, we actually organized some shuttles um, that, will take pla- or that will take people from the Hatfield Howe train station to the venue and back. And that's only for uh, extra 50 rands both ways. So, yeah, I really do think that Joe Burgers and the Victorians and everyone is basically welcome. So we're trying to make it as easy as possible for everyone to come. Well, it's, it almost makes me want to get in a plane and pop up to Joburg in August to go to the <laughs> festival. Gosh, it sounds wonderful. And uh, hopefully this will be, you know, you, you started this last year and hopefully this is going to be a continual thing. Oh, definitely. Yes, we, we will. Um, and just because it's like uh, so wet and and almost moist here down in Cape Town and we know it's lovely weather up there so we're escaping the the Cape winter and coming up there. Elisma, it sounds wonderful and as you said people can book and possibly advise them to book early because they get a special discounted price for the tickets if they go to webtickets.co.za but I'll give out all the contact details in a moment. Enjoy, have a great time this year and we'll chat with you again next week because we're going to be speaking about the Robertson Slow that's also coming up soon. Yes, that's correct. We're all doing everything all at once. <laughs> Gosh, you, you you guys are always so busy and have so many things going on in Robertson. I don't know how you do it all but we'll chat with you again next week on the show. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining us this evening. All right. Thanks, Elizabeth. Goodbye.
Elizabeth Spangenberg is the manager of the Robertson Wine Valley, and we were talking there about the winelands in Gauteng. When the Robertson Wine Valley goes up to, it's going to be this year at Kivitzkroen, just outside Pretoria. If you'd like to find out what's happening on the 3rd and the 4th of August, you can have a look at the Robertson Wine Valley website. It's robertsonwinevalley.com. And if you'd like to contact them for more information, you can call them on 023 626 3167. 023 626 3167. And as Elizabeth says, please go and get your tickets early, webtickets.co.za, because the price is reduced if you get the early bird special. But if you don't quite get around to doing that, tickets will also be sold at the gate. And that's it for Time to Travel for this week. I'm Karen Key. Thanks for joining me this evening. I'll be back with you on Monday evening with the Law Report when Attorney Amanda Cato will be joining us to talk about family law. So join me then. 